What's going on, good people, man? Another week, another episode of Monday Night Take here tonight. This is going to be one um, that you are not going to want to miss. Good thing that we run the reruns on this. Oh, man. So what it takes to be a profitable swing trader from A to Z. Now, I'm going to say something as we kick off this show. The last eight swing trades that I've called have all hit eight for eight. Right. I'm looking to become Bill Russell in this thing. I surpassed Michael Jordan, surpassed Tom Brady. I need 11 of those things in the chamber. So. Like I said here before, tonight's episode is going to be one for the ages. Make sure y'all are taking notes, listening up. And um, TR, she got some great questions to ask me. And y'all know I got the info for y'all as well. So let's go. Let's get it. That's hundred. Yo, so TR, man, we got an episode today. Um, man, I'm excited. How about you? How you feeling, Queen? Listen, I'm excited too because we have a lot of surprises going on for you all, but you got to stay tuned and you got to repost this. <laughs> yeah, we need to crack this thing. Well over 300 plus people here tonight. Let me say this right now. You know, we need about 300 people that's going to be on this line, y'all. So we got a special guest that's going to be coming in the building here shortly. I wouldn't leave his name anonymous, but we got someone that's going to be coming up as well. I was going to chime in as well on a few of these topics. But, you know, one of the things that I've been asked a lot, TR, lately is, you know, what is the best way to become a profitable swing trader? That's probably been one of the number one questions I've been asked. You know, I've been on IG Live consistently every single week. You know, I've been giving people play after play after play after play after play move after move from the likes of Tesla, Microsoft. Uh, we did an episode actually here in June where we talked about the Dow Jones Industrial being yep. on a potential breakout, and then boom, it's happening. So Caterpillar, Boeing, um, the list goes on and on. Meta, right? You know, most recently today, you know, I called a swing trade on Qualicom um, on Friday, and you know, it printed today. The stock was up three dollars. You know, people made hundreds and you know thousands of dollars. So I mean, like I said, these move after move after move after move you know, from this particular strategy. So see, we got a hundred plus people here now. Y'all drop some fires. Y'all drop some comments. If you guys have been printing money on this market, let's yes. go. All yeah. right. Well, I'm so excited. But first of all, Lauren, you talking about swing trading, but what exactly is swing trading? You asked a great question, <laughs> there, man. You asked a great question. <laughs> what is swing trading? So let's talk about some of the common mistakes that people make. I feel like when they first enter the market. The number one thing is they're always comparing somebody else's, you know, plate to theirs, right? So everyone's always kind of like looking over their shoulder. They're like looking over their shoulder at like the next person, what they're doing. So like when it comes to swing trading, let's explain what it is. You have someone who's a day trader, who's someone is holding a position for either a couple minutes um, or maybe the, over the course of a day and they're getting out of a trade. So they may buy a call option on a specific position and the stock may go up and they may get out very quickly. They may buy a put option on a position and, they, and the stock may go down and they may get out very quickly for a profit. Now, here's what you have as a swing trader. As a swing trader, you're able to buy yourself more time. 
So you allow a position to actually develop. And so what I've realized is specifically, not just for my schedule, but a lot of people's schedules, people are working nine to five. They have businesses, et cetera, kids, all those different things. And to be a day trader on the market, it may be very difficult for them because they really just don't have the time to sit and get surgical with being a, you know, just a day trader. So for me, what I realized early on in my career was that there was always tickers that I was analyzing and looking at. And I would look and I'd be like, man, that ticker was like 160. And now it's like 240, but it's only been like three months. And I'm like, if I would have just bought an option for maybe like six months out and just been patient in that position, I would look and say, man, I could have made 10,000 off this particular trade or 5,000 off this trade. So I kind of just looked at, instead of looking at like what I missed out on and harping on it and letting it sit in my mind, I really just said, you know, I could adapt this strategy. And I seen that it was something that works. So for me, I really like swing trading because it gives your when you give yourself time on your options, you allow price to be able to move for an extended period of time. So, yeah. All right. Well, listen, I really appreciate that. So what it sounds like. So this is kind of like not long term, but kind of like short, mid, like that type of term, mid term. OK, gotcha, gotcha, yep. gotcha. So I know that you mentioned something with like tickers. So can you talk to me about what other indicators and like chart patterns that you also look for with swing trading? Yeah. Great question that you asked. So everything that i'm particularly looking at and i'll go ahead and share my screen here with you everything that i'm particularly looking at for you know a swing trade i'm going to be looking at a bigger time frame right okay. so i'm going to be looking at you know maybe a weekly or a monthly time frame right so let me go ahead and share my screen with you guys here real quick so share screen entire screen there we go boom all right so if i'm looking particularly on a specific ticker we talked about one ticker and that's meta right so let me come here and we'll go here to this weekly time frame. Perfect. So one of the things that I noticed, like I said, back here in the past, let's go back here to 2018 and 2019. When I talked about, you know, stock, a stock going from like, for example, right here, 116 to 194. You think about that, that's a $80 type move that just happened on the stock. And if I'm able to actually, you know, catch an entry and see price breaking over a significant level on the weekly time frame, that may prompt me to get into a call option that I'll put out for a few months. So from a technical pattern, I like to see price break above where there's sellers at. So I analyze like, so we'll come here to current day. This was one of the positions that I actually called for people. And this was back in May. I told people, I said, get October calls on meta platforms at 2.30, 2.40. I was hammering this home. If you are in the chat right now and you made money off meta platforms, when I told you to get in, I want to see some fires in the chat. And the reason why I told people is because I was seeing that price had actually on a chart broke above a previous year high. So anytime you're seeing a stock maybe break above a yearly high or a yearly low, let's say to the downside, that can give you an opportunity to be able to enter and make money from that actual movement. And so if you notice, ever since it broke this particular high point, notice what's happened to Meta over the past three months. It's went from 230 to 318. Yeah. I literally had I literally have students right now that have been printing money, right? I literally have people that have been tapped in and listening to these episodes. They're sending me their DMs saying, yo, I remember when you opened up the chart and you showed me on these bigger high, bigger time frames where price was going. 
So like for me, I don't want to just be the person that's catching these little moves. It's cool to be a day trader, but I want to catch the big moves. I want to catch these bigger moves. That's exactly what I want to do. To just take us back here to one of the most recent positions was Boeing. This was a setup. You asked about patterns, right? Which was yeah. a question. So one of my one of my patterns that I love to look at is a bull flag. So it's literally a flag pattern. So this is the pole. Then this is the flag. It looks just like a flag that would be hanging outside in front of our elementary or middle schools waving outside. I this see is that. the pole. Then this is the flag. The flag was a consolidation period. So price was in a consolidation period since January of this year. Last week, price finally broke out of the flag. When price breaks out of the flag, that is a bullet. This is a bullish setup. And that's exactly what we saw. The stock went up about $20 from breaking outside of that flag. So if you made money off of Boeing by listening to our episode here at the top of June, when we talked about specifically the Dow, right? The DIA, we talked about the Dow being the indice that Boeing belongs to. So as a swing trader, I'm always looking at the indices, the Dow, S&P 500, the NASDAQ. I'm looking at all three of these indices and I'm looking at what ticker, right, that I'm looking at. I'm seeing, okay, what indice does it belong to? Well, Boeing belongs to the Dow. So notice that same bull flag that was on Boeing was also here on the Dow. So there's no discrepancy in this. You see the same bull flag, right, the same pattern that was here on the Dow was also on Boeing. So this was pretty much what I would call a textbook type trade. Yeah. So I'm seeing this clear as day, bull flag. I buy time on my options. So I'm putting at least three to six months worth of time. At least, you know, I like over 90 days, particularly on these type positions. Um, and I'm allowing it time to actually be able to move to the upside. So I'm not just someone that's looking to just catch a day trade, but I also want to be someone that's able to catch this run up over a period of time. So that's one of the, the biggest examples that I can give to you here right now. All right, yo, listen, this is really dope. So another question I have is in general, right? As a swing trader, how do you stay informed with market developments and news that could impact your strategy? Yeah. So one of the number one ways I do that is using apps like TipRanks, T-I-P. Okay. Seeking Alpha, Yahoo Finance, CNBC. Like I stay on top of this stuff 24 seven. So, you know, I'm looking particularly to see what news may be breaking specifically on a, on a, on a company. Right. So that's particularly what I'm doing to keep up to date with what's happening, you know, on a company. So, yeah. Okay. No, that's awesome. So listen, you're giving me a lot of positive green flags, a lot of positive, right. Swing trading, but are there any red flags, right? What are, yeah. I, guess I would say, like, what are common mistakes that swing traders make? Yeah, common mistakes that I would say that, that swing traders make is not setting a stop on their trades, right? So one of the things is, is that people think just because you have more time, you're guaranteed to win, which is not true. Just because you have more time doesn't mean it's a guaranteed win. Yeah. So you still need to set some stop loss parameters. So maybe it's not two to five percent like a day trade. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be 10 to 15 percent. So you still need to have some sort of exit strategy and exit plan. That's what I think a lot of times swing traders make is because they think, well, I have more time. It's guaranteed to go my way. It's not going to go against me. And I think that's one of the main mistakes that people make. Okay. All right. 
right. So listen, so and I want you to just think back, right? Like six years ago. Okay. So have you experienced any significant losses mm-hmm. when you first began in terms of like swing trading? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that it's crazy. Let me say this. Yes. I've lost more money day trading than swing trading. Ooh. Let okay. me say that. I've lost more money day trading than swing trading, right? Very, you know, very great question that you asked me. So yes, I've I've as well experienced losses with swing trading. Um, I think my biggest loss, particularly on a swing trade, um, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. I had some positions um, that I was swing trading <laughs> when the pandemic happened. <laughs> yeah, got wrecked. So it was about thirty five thousand um, dollars, and those 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 were some swing trades. So yeah, um, it's definitely 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 um, possible to mm-hmm. lose on swing trades. Um, the biggest thing is just about managing your risk, right? Um, still keeping, like I said, those stop loss parameters. But here's the reason why, for me at least, um, I believe you can be more profitable. Because when I'm swing trading, I'm not getting in as many positions. I'm only yeah. getting in a few positions at a time. So I'm not getting in a bunch of positions. And I'm taking high probability setups. I want everyone to put in the chat right now, high probability so TR, as a swing trader, yes. I'm only looking to take a high probability type setup. This is why I'm eight for eight on my last swing trades, because I'm taking high probability type setups where I'm seeing a specific pattern that I can point to. So I'll say this. It's not that I won't lose on a swing trade, but I'll yeah. say this right now. Once again, check. These are just facts for yeah. everyone here. You guys have seen every position that I've called from a swing trade perspective over the past, like I said, over the past few months here has hit like one has not missed yet. High probability setups. Now, if you're talking to me as a day trader, yeah, I lost on a day trade last week. Yeah, <laughs> Like, so I could say that. So for me, I have a higher probability of winning on a swing trade than a day trade. Definitely. All right. man, I, 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 I see. I heard we got a guest tonight. I see someone stepped into the building. Uh Uh-oh, hold up. Man, guys, y'all, man. Oh, man, it's Jamil. Oh, Lord. Who let this Giants fan in here? Who did this? Who did this? Oh, man. Y'all dropped some fires in the chat. (laughs) We got Jamil Abdul Rahim in the building from Asymmetry Trading, man. What's going on, Jamil? Unmute, bro. You got to unmute yourself. Unmute. You're still on mute, though. Hold on, Jamil. Hold on. Jamil going in. He my fault. I'm on mute. Like, you already started. Training camp just started. You already starting it up, huh? Man. <laughs> already with some surprises. Already. Man. What's going on, family? Ace, What's going Asymmetric on? In the house. What's good, bro? Yeah. Uh, just listening to y'all. Listen, y'all drop gems, you know great questions and great answers, great responses, you know, for people that don't have, you know, the time or just life, you know, like you was talking about, you know, families, you know, work, you know, be able to capitalize off of, you know, high probability setups and just let, you know, time, let it work itself out because the market's going to do what it's going to do. So, you know, just listening to these gems, man. Well, listen, Jamil, I have a question for you. So I just want to say you all, I actually won an award when I worked at Pepsi for asking a lot of questions. So I'm going to always ask questions. That's why, that's why, that's why your questions be so on point. Okay. All right. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, so a question I have, Jamil, is so what advice would you give someone who was just starting their journey as a swing trader? You know, um, the the first thing is this, man. Experience is one one of the the best teachers in life. So, I would definitely say uh, mentorship. You know. Um, you know, there's different ways to go about, uh, you know, acquiring mentorship. You know, me, I, you know, I have a, a you know, a process, you know, of, for, for acquiring mentorship myself. 
but in that in that process, I developed over time, you know, for you know receiving because I definitely received you know bad intel, bad information. But definitely one of the first things is uh, seeking, you know, humbling yourself and seeking mentorship because you have a trajectory, you have a a, a place that you where you want to get to and where you see yourself um going and that's in anything you know I'm, i know we're talking about trading and swing trading right now but that's just in anything you know um what you're trying what you're aspiring aspiring to be and uh you know the trajectory where you see yourself going you know if you are able to you know find mentorship seek mentorship humble yourself seek mentorship you are going to fast track yourself you know you know and save yourself so much time and short and shorten that learning curve so i would say first thing foremost you know seek mentorship and then um you know the, the foundation for me the foundation for me was you know and is is um you know technical analysis because regardless of you know fundamentals you know, in town hall meetings, you worked in corporate, you know, you know about those town hall meetings, you know, you're talking about what the what the numbers are for uh, profitability, revenue, things of that nature. At the end of the day, when it comes down to investing and trading, you want to buy at wholesale, you know, you want to understand value, you want to buy at wholesale prices, and you want to sell at retail prices. And the, the best indication for that is understanding a chart and technical analysis. So I would say those 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 two action items, man, would be the, the at the top of the list. One, two. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. So I actually asked Lawrence a similar question that I'm going to ask you. So walk us through a successful swing trade that you did and why was it successful? A swing trade? Yep. All right. So walk me through a successful swing trade. Um, you know, opening the chart, daily time frame. Yes. All right. Um <laughs> You know, identifying the trend, you know, because I want to be trading with the trend because if I'm, if I'm doing a swing trade, I'm, it's going to be a day or, you know, you know, a day plus, you know, that's a swing trade for me. Um, so analyzing the uh, the trend, you know, the higher time frame trend. So that's a daily, a daily and a weekly time frame. And, you know, typically even still with swing trading, I want to be a buyer because the market, all markets, you know, are designed to go up. So the, what's the number one job for a CEO? is to bring value and equity to um to to their shareholders so the market is designed to go up so knowing that you know i i want to be i want to make sure that the trend is up uh, i want to buy at wholesale prices and i i am looking for where price is in balance and equilibrium and then goes out of balance because of the the shift between the buyers and the sellers in the market and I want to buy at that area where where that equilibrium, where price was balanced and it went out of balance. Um, so basically, that's a pullback. That's when mar the market goes up, it impulses up and then it pulls back. There's a correction or a pullback. I want to buy that pullback so that we could continue to go up with the trend. All right. Matt, I appreciate that. So this question is for you and Lawrence. So what are your views on using, I would say, like those automated algorithms with swing trading? Like, do you use it or not? Talk to me about this. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I would say the only algorithm that I personally use myself, um, you know, for any trades has been the level up algo. Okay. My brother Chris Munez, um, he has this level up algo. I'm not really big when it comes to, you know, any algorithms like super huge. Um, Jamil actually has an algorithm for the futures market. I don't trade the futures market, um, but Jamil actually has his algorithm that he actually developed. But 
I think algorithms when properly developed can give you a, a edge. So Jamel, what's your thoughts on the algo? Algos, um, one, first and foremost, there is no black box to the market. So there is no like one yeah. algorithm that will have the whole market, you know, figured out and you are going to be like 98% correct. If there is, I haven't seen it, you know, because at the end of the day, every day in the market, you know, even from a, you know, from a swing trading perspective, every day in the market is different. So, but I do think that algorithms are helpful. It's like, um, a guide, an aid, it depends on what the algorithm is is based on. You know, um, there's, you know, there's an algorithm. It, it really depends on, you know, what data is feeding the algorithm, you know, and what, what what it's based on. But I think that, you know, Chris, you know, shout out to Chris Munoz and Level Up. You know, he does have a solid algo. I've, I have seen it. Um, and it's it's almost like, like indicators. One, I think that it's better used for um, the higher time frames, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, and still make it for, for swing trading. And um, I, it's, it's kind of like indicators, like the stochastics, the, the MACD, the RSI, you know, those are indicators that, you know, some funds use and it's better. Um, it, it, it works more efficiently on the larger timeframes as opposed to, you know, the smaller timeframes, because at the end of the day, price has to move for um, uh, any algorithm or any uh, indicator to get a value for or give you a, um, an indication, you know, a buy signal or a sell signal. So, you know, I think that they are they are helpful, you know, the you know, but whether you are swing trading or day trading, if you understand technical analysis and price action, you don't really need an algorithm or an indicator. But, you know, for people that don't have the time or, you know, again, talk about life, you know, the time to, you know, really take a deep dive into technical analysis and price action, you know, they can be uh, um, definitely a crutch, uh, you know, a helping hand to um, being on the right side of the market, you know, and, and that's on the buy side or, or the sell side, because you can, you know, you can swing trade, you know, a short, you know, you could be short um, and trade with the trend and be, you know, tr be short and trade with a downtrend and still be in a, a, you know, a swing pick, a swing trade position. So that's my, my little take. Okay, awesome. I really appreciate that. Sorry. So Waffles is barking a little bit. That's why I had to Waffle. for a couple seconds. I don't want you all to hear him. He says hi, everyone. Your, your son. Your son. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. So another question I have is, so just based on your experience, right? Because I know that you are like, like typically I know that you do use futures, but can you just share in terms of like what opportunities do you see in like in terms of like swing trading for yourself? Swing trading for myself. I'm, you know, yep. currently currently in a position looking for the spy. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Looking, you know, looking at the spy. You know, four, uh, three sixty, four six. Yeah. Um, right now in a in a in a current position, four sixty. You know, looking at the spy for, to get up to four sixty. Um, was long. Um, a month ago. You know, just based off of market structure tech, uh, and technical analysis, you know, I'm still, you know, it touched like, you know, four, four fifty nine. So looking at, um, you know, the spot to get the four, four sixty here. So that's, um, you know, just looking at, you know, price pulling back into like I like I was talking about that equilibrium point. Um, look at here. What they was at that price pull back here just to be exact. So people would look, look at a chart if they want to. But when price pull back. This was um, on the, the 20. Oh, wait, hold on. Show your screen. Let's see it. Share? Okay, let's do it. Let's see okay. it. I, let's do it. Present. Present. Yep. Share screen. Boom. 
All right. So y'all can see my y'all can see my screen right now. Not yet. Oh, we see it now. Awesome. Cool beans. So right right now, y'all see my screen. Yes, we see it. All right. So right here. On, Wait, you, you don't see it anymore. Hold on. Do it again. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And you're on mute, Lawrence. Hold on, y'all. Yeah, share your whole screen. Don't just share one part of it. So go okay. when you need to present. Go to the entire screen. Okay, I did that. I thought. Okay, so stop, stop sharing. Boom. Hold on. Blah, blah, blah. And then go to okay, the entire so screen, all the way at the right. Share screen. It says share screen. Uh, entire screen. There we go. All the way to the right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. But it's not allowing me to do that. It, it, it's like when I when it says um. Click the box. Click the box where it's your screen share. Click it. Click like where it's showing you the preview. Got click it. Got it. Yep. Got go it. There. Yep. Boom. All right. There we go. Y'all see? Y'all, am I sharing right now? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. So right here. Um, well, this is the ES. So let's go to the let's go to the spot. Oh man, this is the spot. Y'all seeing some market structure right here? So this is a lot of stuff. So let me um. So uh, the the futures market, I, I primarily trade the futures market, but I use the futures market to make my trades on the the spot right here. So this is when I got in the trade, the pullback into this equilibrium point right here on a daily on a daily time frame. Yes, it pulled back again, and this is what Lawrence was talking about buying time. So you can see that we're clearly in an uptrend. If I scrunch up this chart, and this is what I'm, I'm basically doing right here. Um, but these lines. You know, this is a this is a Fibonacci extension right here. Um, this is just uh, you know a forecast of where um, where price is going to go. You know what I mean? So right here, just this is the first. If I scroll right here, look, check this out, guys. So this is the first um, the low of the market back in uh, October. This is the inverse head and shoulders right here. Boom. So we have this right here. Mm. And we was all right, so hold on, Jamil. We actually have a question in the chat. So it says, "What day did you enter that spy option, and okay. how far out is your option?" Okay, so I entered that spy option on the on right here. I entered that spy option on on the twenty on the twentieth on the twenty first. That's when I ended using it again because I'm pulling back. This is the overnight overnight uh, trade right here where price pulled into this level in the overnight. So I bought that on the 21st. I bought that out of money option on the 21st. And how much time did I buy? I bought um, 60 at the time, 60 days. So I bought um, I bought the uh, September, September um, for 460 out of the money. So when price so when price pulled back here, I bought out of the money. So Jamel, you you're telling me you don't trade weeklies cuz we got a lot of people that's in the audience. No, um you know that's trading mm -hmm. weekly options. So you no, heard it. Go ahead. I definitely do not trade weeklies because I trade the futures market. So right. there's no there's no point in there's, there's no point in me trading a weekly a weekly option at all. Like and even if I didn't trade if even if I did not trade uh, uh, futures. I wouldn't trade weekly options. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for that. yeah it, that's that's yeah. <laughs> that I mean, thank you for that because I don't understand. One thing I don't understand about people like, why are you guys trading weekly options? We're telling you guys don't trade weekly options, right? You know, two two of the guys that are up here that are you know every week, you know, showing you guys exactly how to do this thing. We're telling you don't trade weekly options. People are still doing this. Huh? Do you have people are still trading weekly options after you've man, you've been telling people for over at least a year. I want to say 
at least a year and a half now, man. So don't trade weekly options. You still have people asking you asking you about weekly options, bro. You'd be surprised, bro. It's it's a lot of people that are telling me they're trading weekly options, and they're like, you know, I just can't get out of this. And I'm just like, yo, like at some point you got to look in the mirror and say the problem with the problem is myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I personally believe here's the thing. Right. You know, one of the biggest things is like what people will say is the capital piece. Right. My thing is like we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Right. Like it might it might push you to have to go get two two to three jobs to get get you to where you need to get to in life right now. And that's the reality. Right. So just trying to short yourself and you keep putting fifteen hundred dollars in the account and you keep trading weekly options and you're blowing up the account. You know, Jamel, you know, the story uh, where we had, you know, obviously, you know, the same person came to us and was trading weekly options and lost it. You know what I'm saying? Lost seventeen hundred dollars in five minutes trading FOMC. Like and so we just say that lightly just to really just say, like, at the end of the day, you know, in trading, it's all about risk mitigation. And when you start going into trading weekly options, you put yourself in a position where it's tough to come back from. That's why we're having this episode here tonight about what it takes to be a profitable swing trader, because we understand a lot of people have businesses, jobs, families, kids, all of those different things. Um, you know, so definitely need to really, really think about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. So I have another question. You know, I'm, I'm coming hot with these questions. So, so basically last week, Javille Lawrence and I discussed like overcoming emotional biases. And so I just want to know, how do you overcome emotional decision making in swing trading? Man, that's a great question. Um, because, oh, man, that, that's the, the psychology. The psychology. No, because honestly, that's the that's the journey. That's the journey of of being a prop of being a trader and definitely a profitable trader is the is the psychology and you know you know being the psychology and the mental aspect of being a trader and you know being you know having that conviction of what you're seeing so you know i would i would say this like you you definitely have to um you know put the time put the time in you know you have to put the time into like i like again it goes back to the tech technical analysis going back to your, the foundation of you know where to where to be a buyer where value where to be a buyer and where to be a seller in the market and knowing that right there where to be a willing buyer where to be a willing seller obviously so if you're long if you're in a, a long a swing trade position you will know where to get out or where to start taking profit. That's one of the things with Lawrence, man. He's great at taking some off the table. He's always guiding his people to take some profit off the table. Like if you're in a position and you are making money and you're you're making money, you want to be able to, to pay yourself for the correct analysis and take some take some profit. One that is going to you know, reduce the emotions of a tr- the reduce the emotions of that position, reduce the emotions in in you on on that position. So I would say again, going back to the the the, the foundation, the the basis, the crux of it is you know technical analysis, understanding where to be a willing buyer, where to be a willing seller, and the inverse of that. You know, if you're selling a position, if you're selling at retail, and you understand where you know, the willing buyers are, you know, and where those buyers could come in, you could take profit, you know, you could, you could close some of that position, take profit and let the, let the rest run. So it's just about, you know, mitigating your risk, 
like Lauren said, and that's a part take uh, managing your trade is a part of risk management as well. You know, you're taking risk off, you know, you're paying yourself for your analysis. So that all helps with the um, the emotions and the psychology of a trader, of, of, of a day trader and a swing trader, because they're, you know, they're, 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 there's some similarities to both uh, styles of trading. Okay, awesome. I really, really appreciate that answer. And also, I want to say you all, this is a safe space. If you have any questions for Lawrence and Jamil, please drop them in the chat. With that being said, we actually have one. So Lawrence, this is going to be directed towards you. So this is Mike Nowike. I actually like Mike and Ike's, but I like his name. So Mike Nowike says, why do you use ES charts? Um, for charting the spy. Yes, that's a uh, Jamil. So Jamil trades the ES futures, right? So you know, so that's so that's why. So they're both, you know, pretty much one of the one of the same. But the ES is the futures chart for the S and P five hundred. So that's why he uses that. Gotcha. Absolutely, and, and also too, in addition to that, it's a twenty four hour market. So I am I um the information of the like the right now the market is open. So Asia. It's eight o'clock, eight thirty in Asia right now, and they're trading the futures market. They're trading, and then we have you know at three three thirty, Europe is trading. So I want that's key information for me, you know, to know what the uh, what the rest of the world is doing in our in our global markets. You know, the perspective that they have on our on our markets. So it's just like a little um, you know an odds enhancer, a leading indicator for how the day may go. Okay, awesome. So y'all know I got a lot of questions. So another question I just want to just get insight on. So Lawrence or Jamil, you can answer this. So how do you use trail? Um, it's called trailing stops, right? Mm -hmm. To lock in profits. How do you use that? Yeah. So a trailing stop is really good, especially when you're up into when you're up in a position, right? So a trailing stop is super good. So let's say you know someone you know is up. We'll say seventy five percent. We'll use this for an example, right? So trailing stops are really good because now. One of the things that a trailing stop is good at is now that you're up 75% in that position, you can now still uh, get stopped out still in profit, right? So now you're putting yourself in a position where now you're not allowing your position to go negative before you get stopped out of a trade. Now, as your as your percentage moves up, right, that you're up goes from 75, 85%. Um, it's kind of even in the name trailing stop. So it's trailing as the position is going up. It's increasing your stop. So yeah, that's one one good stop strategy. Yeah, one, it's, a, go yeah it's a good it's a it's a good stop strategy. And again, and so I just want to preface this, man. These are like everybody has their own their own trading style, and like it's kind of like um fingerprints. Like you know, there's not like the same you know fingerprints in the in the world. You know, like like I've been I was told this in the beginning of my journey. Like there are no trade. You're laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing. At, I'm laughing at Uncle Charles because that's really how I feel. If I'm up 75%, I'm taking my money and moving on. Yeah. You know, I'm not gonna say that a trailing stop is not good. Don't get it twisted. But listen, man, I'm like Uncle Charles. I'm gonna just take my money. Like, I'm like I, I, the easiest thing to do is just take your money. See profit, take profit. Go ahead, Jamil. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, I was gonna say I don't use them, so I was gonna that's what I was gonna that's what I was getting to. Like every trader. Every every trader is is very different. Like you you have all the, the get all the information, all the good information, and then and th that was part of my journey. You know, seeking mentorship and every every mentor, 
you know, has has a different style. And I take bits and pieces from it to create my own style. And, you know, trailing stops is definitely I know about it. It's good. It's allowing, you know, as prices moving in your direction, you have a stop trailing your, um, you know, trailing your your position. And basically you're allowing the market to take you out. Uh, that's not for me. <laughs> that's that's not for me. Cause um, if the market, you know, impulse in one in one direction rallies up or drops, you know, and my stop is trailing, you you know, you potentially are giving back, you know, giving back to the market a lot of capital. So, like Lawrence was just saying, you're up seventy five percent in a in a in a position. You know, it's just easier just to you know take that profit and move on to the next trade, the next position. Me personally, for my intraday trading, I take risk off. So, uh, you know, I don't have to worry about a trailing stop because I'm getting to break even or a profitable position as, as soon as possible. Because, I, you know, my methodology is like, you know, I trade as a as a business and most businesses want when they start with um, in any in any business, they want to get to break even as soon as possible or profitable as soon as possible. So, you know, we're not trading for hobby here. You know, we're doing it to make money. So it's like. You know, we 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 taking money, we taking risk off as soon as possible. Okay, first of all, Jamil, that was a tweet. Just so you know, we're not trading for a hobby here. We need to get that printed on a shirt. Okay. Oh, I like yeah. that. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, we're not trading for hobbies. Yeah, this is not a hobby. <laughs> all right, so that's awesome. So feel free, Lawrence or Jamil, feel free. I would love your opinion. So in general, right? Do you guys ever adopt your strategy, like depending on the asset? So like stocks versus Forex, for instance, like how does that look like for you all? Or is it the same? Oh, it's definitely, yeah. for me, it's definitely not the same. One okay. Is, yeah, well, here's the thing. For me, you know, I primarily trade the S&P um, and the ESB. Why? Because it, pro it provides opportunities daily. You know, the ES futures market provides opportunities daily. It's very liquid, meaning there's a lot of participants in the market. There's a lot of algorithmic trading, a lot of, uh, you know, retail trading, a lot of speculators. So it's just very liquid. And, you know, it's that, like I said, is a, a leading indicator for, you know, trading the ETF, the spot, um, you know, for, you know, ask the second part of your question again. It was just, um, no, it was just one question. I just want to know, like, how do you adopt it? Right. Adapt it. So I, I primarily trade the ETF, but for, but like the futures market is a very diverse market. So um, you have commodities, oil, gas, natural gas, and, you know, um, you know, gold, uh, platinum. So all of those different uh, commodities all under the futures um, umbrella, they trade very differently. And I, I'm trading an equity index. Um, so the S&P 500, the NASDAQ and the Dow, totally different. They move totally different. The um, the the uh, the price, the 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 um, the tick value is different. So it's it's very, very different, very different. So like you talking about how do you adapt to it? Me, I, I would adapt to it if I traded it because I, you know, I've traded it before in the past, but I primarily stick to the S&P. But definitely you do have to adapt to it because they are very different, those instruments. True. OK, so go ahead, Lawrence. I would love to learn your opinion, too. Talk to us. Yeah. So um, I think it just, you know, from a from a share perspective and then from a from an options perspective, you know, you just kind of look at things differently, you know, how you trade them. Um, and even just even from a longer term perspective to a swing trader perspective to a day trader perspective, you just have different lenses. Right. Just like these glasses. Right. You know, different <laughs> lenses that I'm going to be looking out of depending on whether I'm day trading, swing trading or, or long term investing. So for me as a day trader, my goal is just to 
get quick gains from the market, a couple hundred dollars here, maybe a few thousand max, right? Um, and then as a swing trader, I'm looking to kind of hit doubles and triples. On longer term investments, that's really where I want to hit my home runs. Those are things that I'm going to be in for five, 10 plus years, right? And I'm going to be holding a position and I'm going to be building a, a you know, a nice size uh, investment and I want to hit a home run. So that's kind of like just my mentality and how I look at it. Um, you know, just to even take things as a as a guide as we get closer to the end of this episode, really the guide to success that you should be taking away from this is understanding that there's always a profitable swing trade that's happening on the market at all times. Like Jamil talked about something that's super important that S&P 500 is the most liquid asset out there. So there's always opportunities. As a day trader, if you're someone who's trying to day trade options, there's not necessarily always an opportunity every day to day trade a call or a put on a specific ticker because a lot of times volume may be limited. But if you're going to give me a scale of maybe three to six months for me to be able to see a position move over a period of time, then that makes it a lot easier for you as a swing trader to catch that because it may just be two weeks out of that six months that do all the damage and all the work. Hence Roku. Roku last week went up 31% on Friday. But ask yourself, in the last six months, when was the last time that Roku went up 30, 31%? It hadn't went up 31% no other day than Friday. So what I'm telling people is, it's like, like I look for those bigger macro level type breakouts. I've been coming on this show consistently talking about the ARK ETF, right? Haven't I? I've been saying ARKK. And now you're seeing Zoom cook up. You're seeing Roku cook up. You're seeing Square. You're seeing Tesla. You're seeing Coinbase. So those bigger macro technicals always lead you to finding where your money should be from a swing trade perspective, because not every single day are you going to be seeing a stock go up 5% or 10%, but it's going to be as that position develops, you're going to see maybe over the course of period of time, when you open up on your Yahoo Finance app, what I want you to do is I want you to go to your watch list tonight. And I want you to look at how many companies are up 30, 40%, at least within the last three months. And ask yourself if you had just been dialed in and instead of focusing on what's happening every day and put a position on a company and sat back and did nothing, did it touch nothing? You press one button, Entered a position and just trusted your charts. What Jamil is saying is so important. The technical analysis piece, I see a lot of questions that come in the chats all the time is, yo, what's up with this trade? Are you still in this? Listen, you guys can ask us all day if we're in that trade, if we're in this trade, we're in all that. But none of that's going to help you if you can't open up the chart and read it for yourself. Let me be the first person to tell you this. If you cannot open up a chart and read it for yourself, what are you doing here? Like, I got to say that really quick here for a second, because there's a, a lot of people that are kind of halfway in the door, halfway out the door. You want to make money from the stock market. You want to print thousands of dollars, but you have not taken the time to really sit back and say, you know what? I'm going to be committed to this. You're kind of just looking for bits and pieces of information. You're trying to get by. Right. You see in school, you can look over to the other person. You can see what answers they're putting on a test. And you can still graduate high school. You can also still have ChatGPT write your essays when you're in college and you can get a degree. The thing about the stock market is there's no shortcuts. There's no cheat codes. None of that stuff is going to happen to you. You're not going to be able to just continue to look at somebody else's paper and feed yourself forever. So you really have to do the work. This is like to, you really have to do the work. You got to be serious about this thing. You can't be half in, half out. Every All 300 people on here right now, you need to know how to read a chart. You need to know how to read a chart. So once you understand how to read this chart, 
you'll understand why the last eight tickers that I told you on swing trades all hit because they were all high probability setups, bull flags, double bottoms, right? All these different things, ascending triangles, pennant patterns, all these different things. When you start to understand how to identify price and how it's going to break out, it makes it easier. Then when you understand market correlation, when you start to understand tickers, right, within an indice, trade together, that's what gives you truly an edge. I opened up and showed you in the beginning of this episode, the DIA had a bull flag. And so did many of the Dow tickers. Boeing was one of them. Boeing last week went crazy. People printed money. Qualicom today printed people money. I'm not just pulling this stuff out of left field. I'm looking at the chart. I have no, I have no secret weapon, nothing. I'm looking at the charts and the charts are letting me know where to go. The chart is your map. A lot of people are looking for answers and you're looking for these one word answers. They're not here. Open up your charts. Simple as that. Well said, man. Yeah. Yeah, for real. And with that being said, make sure you guys are sharing this because this is a wealth of knowledge that you all, I mean, we're all learning something tonight. So please, 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 please. We got the Panther in the house and we got Jamil. So mm -hmm. I am so excited. Now, another question I have before we get into the chat, because they have a, a lot of great questions. I just want to know, so how do you handle situations where a trade goes against you in terms of like, like swing trading, right? And it starts to show potential losses. What do you do? Yeah, biggest thing is cutting and re-entering. Um, happens a lot. So still just sticking to your stop parameters. Like for a, a swing trade for me is like like anywhere in between 10 to 20%. Um, 20% is a little bit more on the more lenient side, but I really like 10 to 15. So if it goes down, like it's just at the end of the day, you 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 lose, you know, on a trade. It's part of the process. It's like one of the like the best thing that you can do is learning how to lose. Once you accept learning how to lose, it makes everything else easier. So I just think, um, you know, I really think that that's super important. You have to understand learning how to lose. When you learn how to lose, that sets you up for success. So that's what I would say. You know, learning how to lose is probably my biggest thing. Right now, um, you know, it's getting comfortable in the zone, right? It's understanding there's a time to re-enter a trade too. And after you get stopped out, you may have just meant early. So don't don't lose confidence and see something again on the chart and don't don't re-enter the position. So that's another thing as well, too. So that's what I would say, um, you know, from a swing trade perspective. And let's say, you know, from a swing trade perspective, something may happen after hours and you may open up. The market may open up. And let's say you're down 22 percent, 25 percent. So like don't even think twice about it. Get out of the position. Hopium is the biggest drug that's on the stock market. Hopium, right? Hopium, hopium, hopium. It's a powerful drug that's on the stock market. It's been on the stock market for years and it kills a lot of people. So hopium is uh, you know, something that I would say to stay away from. You know, it happens to a lot of us where we feel like, man, we're thinking that it's going to rally back. It's going to come back. And then it never comes back. Right. So hopium is a powerful drug um, and don't take it. So, yeah. And I would just say uh, to add to that is, you know, for every trade that I get into, I already know my um, my risk parameters. I know what I'm willing to lose on the trade. So my max loss is already predetermined before I get in the trade. So I think that knowing where you're entering the chart, you know, your, your trend. So plan your work and work your plan. So I think that knowing where you're going to enter the position, where your, you know, your stop is, your max loss 
on the trade and where your profit targets are before you even, you know, order filled, you know, will reduce a lot of your emotions. So that's, you know, for me, um, you know, swing trading, day trading, I already know what I'm going to lose, what I potentially could lose before I even get in the trade. So that reduces a lot of the emotions for me. Yep. And um, we had a great question that came from the audience. Someone said, Lawrence, I spell it with a W though. <laughs> you hold options for months. What gives you confidence to keep holding them? Honestly, the chart. Once again, chart question, right? Like, you know, even for Boeing, let's take it, let's take it back a week, right? When we take a look at Boeing. Um, Boeing, I held for about five weeks before it blasted off, right? Five weeks of me sitting in that position. And last week it printed over 125%. Right. Some people were making 150, 175 percent. So shout out to them. Um, but when it came to when it came to Boeing, you know, just to give an example, what gives me confidence to hold it for a few months is is me being able to take a look at where the chart is headed to. So what I'm looking at on the weekly or the monthly time frame, mm -hmm. I'm seeing maybe specifically price breaking above a key level on the monthly or the weekly time frame. Like, I'll be honest with you guys. I hang out on weekly, excuse me, daily, weekly and monthly time frame. That's where I'm at, right? When it comes to day trading, I'm on that 15 minute, five minute, you know, time frame. But for the most part, I spend most of my time on the daily, weekly, and monthly time frames. And mind you, I'm not swing trade. I'm assuming, let me say this I'm not swing trading a bunch of tickers all the time. I'm finding those areas in the market where I see imbalances. And um, one of the questions I know you didn't ask me tonight, TR, was about position sizing. If I see something that I'm super confident in and I have a great setup, I go heavy into it. So I'm not trying to catch every single position. I'm honing in position by position. So that way, when it goes up or goes down, depending on what side I'm on, I make a large amount of money. So I'm not looking to try to be right so many different times on different swing trades. Think about it. I said eight positions right that i mentioned to you guys i didn't say 80. so what is that telling you that's telling you that my trades that i'm taking are very calculated someone asked me do you check on your positions daily or weekly from a swing trade perspective more so on a weekly basis i don't look at them daily and here's a psychological answer as to why because when you look at them daily sometimes what can happen is you forget that yo this is a swing trade and you're so focused in and dialed in on what happened today that you're forgetting about, yo, this was a trade for six months. Hence, let's talk about Netflix. Netflix, I bought some calls on Netflix at 423, 424 for November, right? Netflix dropped to 414. I wasn't watching it, wasn't looking at it, dropped to 414. I came in, seeing it was down. I was down about seven, eight percent. I ended up buying a couple more options. You know where Netflix closed today? It closed at 438. So now I'm up on them same November calls right now, about 20%, right? After, as of today, with Netflix running up how it did, a little over, I think like a little over 20%, right? So the point that I'm making to you is, is that, yo, just like that, I went from being negative 8% on Friday to now being up over 20% today here on Monday. And this is a swing trade. So when we talk about so many times, I get so many questions, Oh, it's going against me. It's going against me. And people are like having all these like like heart attacks and just like, you know, breathing heavy. And I'm just like, you got time on this. 
And then and then what will happen is someone will say, man, Netflix at 4.30, I'm so mad. I sold Friday. It's like, yo, you bought time. Use time. You leverage time. Leverage the time that you actually bought. That's something that's super important. Yeah, I see a lot of people are asking. Very important. Let's someone ask this question. We're going to turn it back over to TR. For a three to six months trade, what is your stop loss you're comfortable with? Everyone write this down. 10 to 20%. Really, I like 10 to 15. It's as simple as that. Once, like Jamil said, when you understand your risk up front, you already are solving half the battle for yourself. That's it. Go ahead, TR. All right. Awesome. We really appreciate that. I know I do. I don't know if y'all do, but I definitely do. So a question I have is, so in terms of swing trading, do you ever focus on specific industries that you kind of like prioritize first or it doesn't matter? Yeah, it's really sector by sector. So what I'll do is great question that you're asking. First off, we need some fires in the chat for TR. She's asking questions, questions, man. What are these questions? questions. Like, I need to see like 100 fires in the chat. Like I need to see them right now. No, y'all, need, y'all need to post some crowns. That's what y'all need to do, okay? <laughs> post them crowns. Because here's the thing. TR is asking the questions that a lot of you guys should be asking. Exactly. We've gotten stop loss questions at least 20 times tonight. Like I'm not, no knock to anybody to ask a question about a stop loss. But guys, the questions that you should be asking, she's asked them. So great question. From a sector side, what personally am I looking at, right? So there's always certain times of the year where certain sectors perform better than others, right? From a seasonality perspective. But for the most part, um, it, it really depends on what that chart set up. Once again, we go back to the chart because there's going to be different times where maybe there's a Chinese stock sector. Like, for example, right now, all the Chinese stocks over the past week have been moving higher the Alibabas, the XPVs, the NEOs, right? So there's certain times where certain sectors may have a good chart set up and you you can ride that wave, right? I may look at the communication sector, like a meta platforms, like a Google, right? Where I say, hmm, this, this chart and this setup is looking good, right? Then there may be a time where the tech sector has a, a specific setup. Right. So it really just overall depends. But for most, like I said, going back to the DIA, think about that. That was the Dow Jones sector of the market. And we saw what Boeing did. So I'm always looking to kind of hone in to see what sectors are are getting ready to break out, particularly even now the growth part of the market. We saw Roku, Square, Zoom, Tesla, Coinbase. They actually have been going up over the past week. Right. So the ARK ETF is a growth part of the market. So Kendall, he asked a question, where do you go to see the sector breakdowns? I'm gonna say this, I don't look at none of those sector breakdowns that's on CNBC that's telling you about, you know, what sector did this today? Not that it's not important, but that's not what I go look for. I actually go to the stocks that I trade on a consistent basis and I go to their lookalikes, right? So I go to their, when I say their lookalikes, I go to the companies that are within their sector. For example, NVIDIA. If I'm looking at NVIDIA, I need to look at Qualcomm. I need to look at AMD. I need to look at Broadcom, which is AVGO. I need to look at TSM. It's as simple as that, 
when I look at Bowen, that I need to look at Caliper. I need to look at Ray Rayathon. They need to look at Lockheed Martin. When I look at Square, who you else think I'm looking at? Duh, PayPal, right? When I look at Netflix, who you think I'm looking at? Duh, Roku, right? It's just as simple as that. Like it's not, it's not to me, it's not really rocket science. Um, when I'm looking at CRM, who you think else I'm looking at? I'm looking at Snowflake. I'm looking at CrowdStrike. I'm looking at Zscaler. So now it just becomes a lot easier. If I'm looking at Home Depot, who I'm looking at? Lowe's. You get what I'm saying? Like if I'm looking at Walgreens, who should I be looking at? CVS. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it don't got to really be harder than what you already really know. It's it's about being second nature. If I'm looking at Meta, who else should I be looking at? Twitter, Google, X. simple things well, like it's that. Now. It's X now. Mm. X, exactly. <laughs> then if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at Bitcoin, Ethereum, I come to the stock market and look at Riot, Mara, MicroStrategy. You get what I'm saying? So I start looking at those crypto stocks. If I'm looking at something in the healthcare space, I'm looking at United Health. If I'm looking at something biotech, then I'm looking at what? Maybe I'm looking at something like a Moderna. If I'm looking at Uber, look at Lyft. If I'm looking at Airbnb, what else? What other things I'm going to be looking at in that space, right? In that hospitality space. Now I'm going to look at DoorDash. If I'm looking at DoorDash, look at Grubhub. Is it like, if you think about it, I just ran through all that. It's not really that hard. If I'm looking at a firm, what else should I be like? You start thinking about just the other shopping, the smaller. If I'm looking at a firm, I should be looking at Etsy, right? I should be looking at these smaller shopping places where people are going to be leveraging that. If I look at Visa, where should I look at? MasterCard, right? Yeah. Come on, competitive yeah. analysis. That's what we're doing here, okay? It's like, ugh, that's exactly what you, like someone said, it's like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, simple. Keep it simple. Yep. So we hit an hour mark, man, tonight. We are gonna say, man, like this video, fire this thing up. We had three, we have three hundred plus people here on, man. Make sure you guys like, comment on this video, share this video. We want to thank you guys for being here tonight. It is nine oh one EST, and me and Tr, we're gonna be doing a live in person episode of Monday Night Take soon. Here, um, we're working on the date. It's gonna be coming to you guys soon, and it will be in Dallas, Texas. So oh man up. so we're excited for that so man y'all dropped mm. the fires in the chat we want to say thank you for you guys being on here tonight and also say thank you to jamil for stopping by oh say, man everybody say thank Definitely, you man me. i hope i hopefully i was able to provide provide a valuable perspective on uh you know swing swing and day trading and you know Futures, futures, and equities market. Yep. Yeah. See, y'all, he did a great job. Even if he's a Giants fan, we'll give him that. Okay. We'll give him that. No, you did a great <laughs> job, Jamil. Thank you. Well, thank I just want to say the reason why I'm saying that is when my Eagles lost, he was very quick to send that text message. Okay. That's all I'm saying. But no, we really appreciate you, Jamil. I was just sharing the brotherly love. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> the brotherly love. Brotherly yeah. love, man. Super yeah. picks, real quick, before we get off. Training camp's about to start. So, well, it's already started, but preseason about to start. When, uh, what's y'all Super Bowl picks this year? Yeah. I'll it's tell early. you y'all ready. What Super Bowl picks? So you could, so you saying who you you're picking two who's teams going? that's gonna that's gonna be in the Super Bowl? Yeah, who's going to the Super Bowl? Okay, you go go for it. I got Chiefs, um, Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. Chiefs. And I also, if I had to choose an NFC team right now. I think the NFC team, I think the NFC actually got worse with Tom Brady retiring and with Aaron Rodgers leaving the NFC. So the NFC has gotten worse. I think when you look at the teams in the AFC and not AFC, the NFC West, I think the Cardinals will be trash because I think Kyler Murray's trash. 
Um, I think Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks will stay in the same place. I think the 49ers will have quarterback controversy. And I think that the Rams will win their division um, this year. I think when you take a look at the NFC North, I think the Vikings will walk away with it pretty easily. Um, I think they'll just walk through their division. I think that the Eagles will win their division again this year. Yes, absolutely. You already know I got that. No, so yeah. I think the Eagles will win their division. And I think if you're looking at the NFC South, the Bucks will be trash because they got Baker Mayfield playing. Um, I think that, you know, the Carolina Panthers will be better with Bryce Young, but we'll have to see what he looks like. I think the Falcons will be the Falcons. They're trash. Desmond Ritter, I don't think he's that good. I think the Saints will actually take a step up. So if I had to pick a team, I think it will be Chiefs versus Saints. So Chiefs versus Saints. Oh, come on, bro. Hey, you went, through, you went through that. Yo, you went through that whole yeah. NFC rundown. Hold on, time out. We need to talk about the Ravens because I think that they're going to do a lot better versus Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs versus Chiefs. Chiefs versus Saints. And here's why. Time out, man. Reason you went through that whole rundown just to let us know that you're a homer. No. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like the Saints are gonna <laughs> go on, to the Let me get a twenty. <laughs> Yo, listen, yeah. you went through that whole NFC rundown just to let us know that you're a homer, <laughs> bro. Like, I, 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 I just no. But here's the here's the reason why. Because the Saints have had the best defense in the NFL, one of the best defenses, and now we've added a premium quarterback in Derek Carr with weapons and a running back. So we have a squad. This squad was just needing a quarterback. So what I'm saying is, is that if I had to pick two teams to say, I don't think the Giants personally, I, you know, Jimmy, I don't think the Giants will be able to compete. I seriously believe there's only really two teams in the NFC that can go to the Super Bowl. And I really believe it's the Eagles and the Saints. That's it. I think that's it in the NFC. I don't think the Vikings will deliver. They always fall short. We know the Cowboys are an afterthought. And you take a look at the other teams in the NFC, they've regressed. So simple as that. I see some people saying Detroit, but it's like Jared Goff is like no. one, one injury right. away. I'm a, I'm no, a, listen, I'm a, the Ravens is going to be a problem this year. Let me be, um, let me be re real brief. Can I answer the question real quick? Yes. I'm going to go Baltimore yeah. and San Fran. In the Super Bowl? In the Super Bowl. I Baltimore, San Fran. I can now, see the Boston. question I have about the question I have about San Fran is once that once they get tape on you, right? No. So here's the thing: I'm, I'm a big believer in the system. It's the, it's all about the system. So mm -hmm. I understand whether it's Lance, whether it's Arnold, whether it's uh, what's his name, Purdy, Purdy. I think that Shanahan's system with using Debo and McCaffrey, and you know the defense is is um you know what's understood doesn't even have to be discussed. You know the defense is lights out. It's going to be lights out. But I think it's the system of their offense and how they use their weapons. That's what I think. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have to see. I, I think yeah. they'll win the division. I know what you was gonna say. You know, once you once there's tape on on the rookie quarterback, you know, it's gonna be challenging. So I'm saying, look, all right, there's gonna be tape on them. There's gonna be tape on them, and uh, there, there's no tape on Trent, uh, uh, Lance. And you know, there's plenty of tape on on Darnold. But again, the sit that system and um, Lance is much more athletic than Purdy. So, you know, I think that with that system and no tape on Lance, if Purdy is not what they think he is, yeah, I think, I, you know, and I, NFC, NFC championship minimal. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll give you that. All I'm going to say is I know that the Ravens are going to be a problem this year. And, a good, you know, like, like good for them. I'm actually going to be in Baltimore and Philly this weekend. So, oh, okay. 
I will be bad. Listen, I mean, and I'm not, and I don't like the Ravens at all. They beat the Giants in the 2000 Super Bowl. But they I, sure I, did. They sure did. But it's okay. Yeah, I like, I like, I like Lamar Jackson. So I like the Ravens. Like they got, they got no problem. I got no problem with Ravens fans. So well, Steve, man, we diverse here, man. Not only can we talk stocks, we can talk them sports too. So we're gonna let y'all run up out of here, man. We'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.